Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Massages can be sexually arousing. Upgrade your foreplay with an amazing massage candle by Maud. It's body safe and skin softening. Once melted and extinguished, it can be poured on the skin. And let the fun begin. Check out the link in this episode's description and have an orgasmic time. A survey of nearly 9,000 single U.S. adults show that one in five had previously been in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. So ethical non-monogamy, you've heard about it, right? But what is it really? Today, we're talking to a pro. Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara, your favorite sex and relationship expert here at Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. Today with me is the beautiful Zachary Zane. Uh, He's a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, an activist whose work focuses on sexuality, lifestyle, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He currently has a sex advice column at Men's Health titled Love It, Sex Explain It, and a relationship column at Queer Majority titled Zach and the City. Woo! <laughs> His work has been published everywhere. The New York Times, Rolling Stone, The Washington Post, GQ, Playboy, and the list goes on and on. Uh, He is the founder and editor-in-chief of Boy Slut Zine, which publishes nonfiction sex stories from kingsters all around the globe. He is also co-author of this book that just came out last week called Men's Health, Best Sex Ever. And you guys should totally get one. And he's also uh, writing his memoir manifesto, Boy Slut, that will be coming out uh, in spring 2023. Hey, Zach. Hello. How are you doing? What a bio. So sexy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's talk about your journey. Uh, How did you become the Zachary Sane men's health advice columnist uh, person that writes articles about sex, the sex expert? Um, Yeah. So I went to school and I studied psychology and neuroscience, and I thought I was going to get a PhD in clinical psychology. I was working at Harvard Medical Center as a smoking cessation researcher and counselor. So figuring out the best way to get people to uh, quit smoking cigarettes. And as I was applying for like my PhD program, I was like, I hate academia. These people are like nasty. They are cutthroat. They will steal your work. It's going to take six years of a PhD, three years of postdoc. I'm not going to start my career until I'm in my late 30s. Um, So I just kind of started writing uh, a little bit while I was at work. I had some free time. I wrote a piece that the first piece I ever wrote was for Exo Jane's Vertical. It happened to me. And uh, I wrote a piece about essentially being a bisexual man. And uh, like the way they titled it was I came out as bisexual and now can't date anyone gay or straight. But the way it was about was this idea that I, when I finally came out as bi and that journey was so difficult and I can share more on that later, but I thought like the world would be my oyster. I thought I'd be oh. able to date men and women and like everything would be easy. And then 
Uh, women didn't want to date me because they were afraid I was secretly gay and using it as a stepping stone and they were insecure and thought I was going to leave them or homophobia, whatever it is. And then gay men were just very condescending. They're like, oh, honey, I was by two. You'll get there. You'll be fully gay soon. I'm like, no, that's wildly rude. Um, like, like, please yeah, don't like- validate my identity like that. Um, and so all of a sudden, like, I, uh, no one would date me. And I was like, what, what gives? And then I ended up falling in love with this bi woman. And I spoke about my experience of just, like, dating other bi people and how that like, kind of changed my life and, like, making sure to, like, kind of find myself in this, fi- how to find other bi people, create this bi community, date and love other bi people. And that was very important and huge for me at the time. But, and it still is now, um, but a lot... The, the the thing there was very very little uh male bisexuality visibility mm-hmm. so because of that article it just went viral i got work for other places and i just started writing a lot about bisexuality mm-hmm. from there i kind of expanded to like queer male sex culture to ethical non-monogamy and then just kept writing and writing for different places kept reading kept researching and kind of solidifying myself as like an expert and writer in this field but it started very niche with male bisexuality then queer male culture, then uh, sex, and then now it kind of expanded to where I am at, uh, you know, the sex advice columnist at Men's Health. Mm-hmm. So the New York Times article, I love the title. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are bi enough. Yeah. Um, do is is this stereotype of like, oh, you're is it's just a stepping stone into the gay world? Is it still going on? It, it's tough. Like you I mean, first you know, say you're bi, but in fact, you're actually gay. Like, is this still going on? Oh, that still happens everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, and I want to make it clear, like, it's not whatever, you know, I've spoken to some bi people and bi activists who are like, oh, gay men really shouldn't do that. You know, it invalidates our identity. And I'm like, he's trying to figure it out, too. You, you know what I mean? Like, we're all trying to fucking yeah. figure it out. It's it's clearly not a malicious thing. And mm-hmm. did I wish gay men didn't use it as a stepping stone? Yes, that that would be helpful for the bi community. Is it their fault that they do? No, they're they're, they're figuring it out too. And I think the emphasis and focus should just be on like, okay, just because you did as a gay man doesn't mean that bisexuality isn't real. And really taking the focus on like stopping so like narcissistic and mm-hmm. solipsistic. And being like, just because it's your experience or just because you're two guys who did it doesn't mean every single guy in the world has that same sexuality. Like, that's just so wildly narrow-minded. And so, like, I I, I don't want to say stupid, but it's just like, can you not see how, like, the world is diverse and people have different sexual experiences? You really believe that your situation must mirror every single other person in the world? Like, wow, like you got some balls and some arrogance to truly think that. So that's what I try to focus on on this, just being like, okay, so plenty of people still using the stepping stone and plenty of people don't. Like the world is diverse and like allowing for that and recognizing uh, that is super important. When did you uh, realize that you're bisexual? Uh, I I always uh, struggle answering this question. Like I, I embraced being bisexual after college, okay. like, uh, and that's when I came out to myself and subsequently came out to my family and friends and everything like that. But when did I know? I mean, I had urges from when I was like five for being attracted <laughs> to men and women, you know, you know what I mean? But it's like, I didn't know what it was. I rationalized it. I 
was in denial about it. Uh, there was a time where I thought I was like bi dash sexual and hetero romantic. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what that means is uh, I could date and uh, I'm sorry, no, I could fuck and sl- uh, sleep with anyone of all genders, mm-hmm. attracted you know to men, women, non-binary people sexually, but in terms of like romantically and who I want to date and love, I was hetero, meaning I could only date and love women, and I kind of mm-hmm. took on that identity. For a little bit, and that isn't a valid identity for many men, but it just wasn't mine. It was almost like, for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm still like mostly straight, only dating women. I just like fucking dudes like that. That's that's fine. But then I had a revelation that I'm like, no, I can actually love men as well and date men and non-binary people too. It's not just women uh, who have the potential to love. Um, but it was a journey. It was, I hooked up with a lot of men in college and like rationalized it, convinced myself, oh, I was just drunk. I was horny. Uh, and like, I think when I first kissed a guy, I, I assumed, or like hooked up with a guy, I uh, assumed I was going to have this like light bulb moment where it's like, okay, I kiss a guy and immediately I know I'm gay. I, I love him. Every relationship I've had with a woman, that was fake. That wasn't real. That wasn't what love was. And this wasn't, and that wasn't good sex. This was it. Or I'd kind of kiss his lips and hook up with him and be like, okay, I'm pretty straight. I, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. Like, this is not for me. And then when I didn't have this polarizing response, when it wasn't like, I was like, I had to get super drunk in order to do it because I was so nervous. In the middle of him blowing me, I left to go vomit twice because oh I was gosh. so drunk. And I came back. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but then like the next day, I was like, I guess that was like, okay. But also I was super drunk. Like I didn't love, it was like a shitty one night stand because I was hammered, but like I wasn't repulsed by it. Um, but I was like, I didn't love it. This doesn't make sense. I don't think I'm gay because like, or um every gay guy i spoke to when they started hooking up with guys were like oh no i knew like whether like mm-hmm. like this was something i clearly wanted so I'm like it's not me and at the time in college you know uh in uh, i first hooked up with a guy in 2009 um my freshman year of college like bisexual visibility was not a thing it was just not an option it was you were gay or straight there wasn't the option of bi like you just didn't think it was real so my experiences just didn't really pertain to a straight man didn't pertain to a gay man and that's why i'm often mm. that's why i'm so passionate about what i do now because if i just knew bisexuality was an option was a choice mm. if there was actual bisexual visibility i would have known so much sooner but like there was nothing in 2009 like right. it, it, it there was very very little there might be a few off articles being like 10 things to never say to a bisexual person <laughs> and like that's great, but that didn't help me. Like there was no articles for bi men about being bisexual. Every single article about bisexuality was teaching straight people, teaching gay people about mm-hmm. bisexuality. It was never like helping a bi person understand who mm-hmm. he is or who they are. But um, so that's kind of how I got there. And then through therapy at a therapist when I was taught, sorry, I'm trying to like really bulldoze through this as quickly as possible. It's a long story. <laughs> um, but a therapist, when I was talking to him about, I was confused about my sexuality after college and he interrupts me on my second um, session. He's like, Hey, you, you know, um, I, you asked me to be blunt with you. Uh, that was one of the things you really looked for in a therapist. So I'm going to be blunt. You know, when we say the word confused, when you're talking about sexuality, it actually has a specific meaning. It like, and, and what you are describing is not confused about your sexuality. You seem very clearly bisexual. Is there something I'm missing? Like, like being like, like, and I told him, I'm like, that shit doesn't exist in men. And he responded, Zach, you're too smart to think that. And 
almost hearing it from a medical professional as this is a valid and real identity. This mm. is not only a real identity, this is clearly who you are, was like, oh, shit. And like from there, almost like when I once I got permission, was allowed to be by in a sense, it only took a few months to really kind of delve in mm. to my identity more so and really start embracing it. So you've dated men and women. Yes. And have men, had sex women, men, non-binary women, people, everyone. trans people, okay. everyone. So now that you said that, non-binary people and trans people also, I want to talk about your Rolling Stone article. What's the real difference between bi and pansexual? Can you talk about that? It's, you know, I have different, everything is like, I have different, I have different thoughts on this than other people, okay. obviously. So this doesn't mirror everyone's. Um, I think there's confusion. Yeah. I, I think there's confusion even within the bisexuality, uh, bisexual community and in the pansexual community about what these words mean. So the, the word pansexual was honestly birthed out of conf- like confusion of the word bisexual. Like the thing is people assume that bi meant men and women. So they said, oh, it's not inclusive of non-binary people. And then I have certain people who are like, oh, it's not inclusive of trans people. And when I say that, I'm like, well, trans men are men and trans women are women. So if you're saying it's not inclusive of trans people, you're actually the one who's isolating them and not <laughs> yeah. doing this, not me. Yeah. If anything, you can make the argument that it's not inclusive of non-binary people. But, th- but the real truth is we didn't have the understanding of gender when the word bisexual came out that we do now. We really only saw it, at least in the US and you know in the West, like as having these these two genders, these two sexes. And so that's why we had the word bisexual, but it's like most bisexual people are attracted to all genders. Um, It's not like they're only attracted to men and women, not binary people, but they claim that label because that's the label that they know. Um, So the way I differentiate it now, and there's kind of two different ways to do it, but the bisexual essentially means you're attracted to multiple genders and that could be all genders. And pansexual means you're attracted to all genders. So you can be bisexual and pansexual. And there's some people who identify as both. Um, but I, I honestly think, I think what bothers me is there's kind of so much infighting among people yeah. who literally have the same exact attractions. Yeah. And they're being like, oh, you're transphobic. And you're like, I'm not transphobic. Like th- th- that's an insane thing. Like I'm actually like as a bi man, I'm the one who openly dates trans women. I'm not right. a shitty straight dude who only fucks you and then doesn't introduce yeah. your family or friends. I actually <laughs> validate you for your identity and who you are. And you really never hear a trans person or non-binary person saying bisexuality is transphobic or non-binary phobic. It's always like well-meaning cisgender people who are offended yeah. on behalf of the community yeah. that aren't offended themselves. Um, so it's like, I'm happy for you to identify however you want, but you like, at the end of the day, I feel like there is some kind of needless, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of like uh, infighting between the two groups when it's the, we're like a hundred percent on the same team and there are much larger issues going on. So it's definitely confusing. I've also heard recently, and this honestly makes more sense in terms of distinction where bisexuality means you're attracted essentially to all genders. Like you're attracted to masculinity, femininity, and Almost pansexual means you're attracted to people regardless of gender. So it's like you don't necessarily versus I'm attracted like and that kind of defines me. I'm attracted to gender. I just like all genders like Mm -hmm. versus it's not like, oh, I like you regardless of your gender. It's like, oh, I like the Mm -hmm. fact you're highly masculine. I like the fact you're highly feminine. I like the fact that you blend the two together. I actually love all of it. Not I don't see you for it. Right. Um, Right. 
So it's a little bit confusing. I think there was a push for pansexuality to kind of become more mainstream like 10 years ago, um, like 10 to like the last like two years ago. And don't like these are, you know, my speculation hypotheses. It's not like fact based here. But I'm seeing now more of a push for people almost going back to being bisexual, being like, we have a word like we don't right. need to change it <laughs> like like, like um we, we don't need to move on so much here. So I think there's yeah. been a push more recently where we're seeing more people use bi again as opposed to using pan, but all it of them are valid. It is the letters. It is LGBTQ. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it, but like every every identity is valid. You can call yourself right. bisexual, you can call yourself pansexual, whatever you want is fine. I just, my focus on this is like letting people be the identity that they want. Mm. Um, and especially when pan people come for bisexual people, I'm like, this is absolutely insane, you guys. Like, like, why are you doing this? So I think it's like, you're allowed to be pan, you're allowed to be bi, you're allowed to be both, but just have the freedom to allow everyone else to do the same here. Yeah. And there's lots of people for, you know, those of you that are listening, my Love Bites fam, a recent survey shows 5.6% of Americans uh, identify as LGBTQ. And then in within that 5.6%, which is, if we're thinking 330 million people, maybe about 18 million people, um, within that 54.6%, so about half identify as bisexual. Is that yeah. interesting? There, there are more bi people than there are like gay and lesbians. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting. But yet, like, you don't really hear about them like speaking up about bisexuality. No, it's, and there's so much. There's just, it's often a very overlooked letter in the LGBTQ community. <laughs> Although, like, we're starting to see more visibility. We're starting to have more stuff. We're starting to have more of our movement. And Are we, there like, famous bi characters in movies and TV shows? We're starting to see more of it. There was literally a Hulu show called Hulu show called The Bisexual. And, like, it was about her experience like, being, like, being a bi woman. Uh, there was the, I think it's my crazy ex-girlfriend. One of the guy comes out as, that's the one where they sing, right? Mm. I think so. It's the, the singing show. Uh, like one of the guys came out as bi and had this great mm-hmm. song dispelling stereotypes. <laughs> uh, in, in the new uh, Gossip Girl, there's like incredible male bisexual visibility, which I'm loving and here yeah. for. So we're starting to see more and more of it. It's still, it's still less than uh, other forms of visibility within the LGBTQ community, but we're starting to see more. And that's all we can ask for, you know, as long as we mm-hmm. keep going up in the right direction. I think we definitely are as a community. And with an activism, like going the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and that's important, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to pivot into talking about ethical non-monogamy. But first, I remember seeing this article, but I can't really uh, pull it pull it up right now. I think it was Vogue that was like just two weeks ago. And the headline was, is monogamy dead? It's, I mean, that's such a clickbait headline. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about monogamy? Let's start there. How do I feel? I mean, whatever works for you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to judge anyone in their things. Right. I, I think the issue with monogamy, and there's been this distinction between what they call like radical monogamy and reflexive monogamy. And if you're monogamous just because you think that's the only valid form of relationship, you think that this is the only way you can be happy and being polyamorous is not real. That's not real love. Being in an open relationship is not real love. Unless if you're sleeping with the same person, you don't love each other. No, that's bad. Like if you're just doing this because, um, and that's what they call reflexive monogamy. You're just doing it reflexively, not because you want to, but because you think it's the only option and you're actually miserable and unhappy in this relationship, but you think it's the only thing. 
And then there's radical monogamy, which is like, okay, in a world in which monogamy wasn't put on this um, pedestal as the highest form of relationship mm-hmm. standard, would you still want to do this? In a world where 50% of people are poly and 50% of people are monogamous, would you, and there was no hierarchy, there was no judgment or shame, no sex negativity, no uh, poly negativity, would you still choose to be monogamous? And if so, amazing. That relationship is right for you. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people are monogamous just because they think that's what you should do. And then they're just miserable. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's so many unhappy marriages, so many unhappy monogamous people. And that's not good for anyone. You know yeah. what I mean? So just being unhappy I, I, is not good. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like, not I worth have it. no it, ill will towards people who are monogamous, but mm-hmm. I do hope that they, they become introspective in, about what it is that they want. Because I think monogamy can sometimes allow for a level of just, what's the word I'm looking for? Just not, not being introspective, you know, like, okay, uh, I, why do, why do I get jealous with when my, my partner talks to someone because I have this abandonment issues or fear of this? And you're like, well, we're monogamous. He's not allowed to talk to anyone. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So you're almost kind of putting these temporary band-aids, not doing any of the work to see what the issue is and just hoping that the re- actual relationship structure mm-hmm. is enough for you to have a healthy relation. It's like you're relying on the relationship structure as opposed to the person mm-hmm. where it's like monogamy allows for this level of comfort and stability and safety. Uh, but you're actually not putting in the work with, with your partner. You're just kind of letting the relationship dynamic uh, take hold. So I, I, that's the one thing uh, that I'm, I'm just going to say critical of, but it's like monogamy in itself is fine. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Be happy. Do whatever you love. Have you, you heard love. of monogamish? Yeah. That Dan Savage coined that term. Uh-huh. And the monogamish is just the idea that essentially you're monogamous. However, you know, with the consent of your partner, you're allowed to hook up with someone once in a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you go on uh, trip a work Amsterdam. trip. Yeah. You go on a work trip for a month and like, okay, you end up hooking up with a, a, a girl and it's like, you'll wear a condom, do it safely. And they might have a don't ask, don't tell policy, meaning I don't want to hear about it. Or they might like be like, oh, I actually hooked up with this one. I'm like, oh, it's fun. And that's it. But it's not like they are actively going out on dates. Mm-hmm. They're picking up people together in the forms of like a, um, threesome it's just more like opportunistic when one of them is away and happens very seldom so that's kind of what monogamish is so cute monogamish <laughs> it's, it's a great term basically a hall pass uh here and there yeah a whole yeah. pass exactly yeah uh i like that i when people ask me and i'm you know not shy to explain uh i i always say we have we're in a dynamic boundaries relationship <laughs> they're like what the fuck is that <laughs> And I said, it, it, it is self-explanatory. Our boundaries are dynamic. Like, it, you know, sometimes open, sometimes close. Uh, I'd say monogamish is something I can relate to uh, very well. And yeah. something that my partner and I have, uh, you know, like we're, that's what we agreed upon. Uh, but I also like the word dynamic boundaries because I truly feel like that's how I operate, how my partner operates and how a lot of my friends operate. It, I really like it. It allows just for fluidity within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so important to be like, okay, at times we hook up with other people. At times we don't, we talk about it. Things change, things evolve. And that like saying dynamic boundaries like, allows for that in a way that I think is very helpful versus like, oh, we're monogamous. We can never do this forever. Right. Every relationship's going to be the same. And it's like, okay, well, hold on. Let's, let's <laughs> allow for some evolution here. 
Yeah. Well, uh, talking about that. So I have friends that are super hardcore, um, uh, neo, uh, evolutionary theorists, and they truly believe in like, well, you like monogamy allows for flourishing, uh, of the offsprings because two parents, like two people are there and they're, they're committed to, you know, uh, growing their offsprings and therefore like the providing for the fittest offspring. And monogamy has a big role in allowing like our humankind to grow the way it has been growing for the last, um, what, like maybe monogamy, like 100 years? Because before Mm -hmm. that, that was non-monogamy, which is really interesting. And I never really thought about how, you know, pleasure plays into like evolutionary. (laughs) Because I just think pleasure, pleasure is why we're here. Like, that's my view of mm-hmm. being a human is I would not want to be here unless I am capable. I'm in a position that I can experience pleasure. A like, true hedonist. I love it. <laughs> I am. I indulge. Uh, my partner tells me that all the time. You're a true yeah. hedonist. Yes, I, I truly believe in pleasure. And life is not worth leave, living for me if there's no pleasure. So um, when I'm talking to a friend who's a scientist who's super into neo like evolutionary theory and they're like, oh, you know, by monogamy is the only way to guarantee um, healthy, successful offsprings. Like, what do you think about that? It was uh, when we were hunter gatherers, uh, like, (laughs) like, like uh, the thing about evolutionary psychologists and evolutionary theorists is like, we have come so far away from where we were with modern and tech, like with modern advances in tech. And so when a lot of them are comparing our relationships structures to hippos or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, does a hippo have to reply to a hundred emails a day? Is a hippo worrying about like where he's going to get rent? Does a hippo go on Tinder? It's like, we are so far removed, like from, because of what's happened in tech and what's happened in society that it, it, it's not a very ground science to me mm-hmm. just because we're, we're so different from it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but yeah, I think when we were hunter and gatherers, that made complete sense. You know, you didn't want the kid to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you having this close knit bond with this person where you can, the man can go out, grab food, get shelter. The woman goes home and or is home breastfeeding and protecting them guarantees them to get to a point where they can have offspring. Cause that's what the goal of evolutionary psychology is. It's always like how to pass on your seed, the mm-hmm. selfish gene, whatever you want to call it. Um, that even changed in an agricultural setting. The moment we invented agriculture, the moment we were able to actually get water and irrigate water, that, that already at that point is the biggest change in evolutionary psychology. And that already differentiates us from every other species ever of everything. That was a gajillion years ago. And here we are now. So like, whenever I hear these evolutionary psychologists, I'm like, we're just so far removed from what we are that like, it, it, it's a lot of it, I think is bullshit, personally. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, interesting thought. So let's go into ethical non-monogamy. So yeah. I guess the word non-monogamy itself is pretty self-explanatory, but what is ethical non-monogamy? I think the idea is that no one's cheating. That's why they throw the word unethical. Because especially when you study animals or whatever, they talk about non-monogamous relationships or within that, that's animals uh, having extracoital affairs. What do you want? Animals <laughs> cheating. 
Oh yeah, whatever they call it. Um, like, so th- this was just a differentiation to make it be like cheating is non-monogamy, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about letting your partners know what you're doing, coming to agreement together, all parties consenting, and having that communication. So that that's what ethical non-monogamy is. So an open relationship is an ethical non-monogamous relationship. Correct. Uh, are you in an open relationship? I'm polyamorous. Oh, okay. So you're in a small group relationship. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's uh, I have a boyfriend, and okay. then I did have a girlfriend, but we broke up a couple months ago. But I have a boyfriend at this point, and then more casual partners. Okay. Who you know, people I see, whatever it is, once a month, and I have an amazing time with them. You know, we were very coupley when we're together. Mm-hmm. We text each other. We phone call periodically. But I just don't see them as much just because, you know, the one thing they say about polyamory is love is infinite, but time is not. Like if I, I would love to have like nine boyfriends and eight (laughs) girlfriends right now. There's so many people in this world who are incredible. I would love to have a relationship with them, but you can't, You, you just don't have enough time. So a lot of it's the amount of resources and time you're willing to dedicate to each partner. And one of the things when I had a boyfriend and a girlfriend was it was just too much. I'd see him two, three nights a week. So you hear two, three nights a week. And then I have like one night a week for myself. What about seeing friends going to work? I just didn't have time to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, so I have one boyfriend, just multiple casual partners. Uh, and my boyfriend has another boyfriend as well. Okay. But you and the other boyfriend are, don't have a relationship. We're friends. We're, we're close friends. I actually really like him. And we still have sex periodically too. Okay. But um. He, he's not he's not a partner. He's just a friend. Okay. So you're poly and open. So the way people have, again, every uh, word has multiple different definitions to it. But the way right. I conceptualize it is you have ethical non-monogamy at the top. And that's anything that's like not monogamous. umbrella term. It's the umbrella term. Exactly. That's the one to incorporate anything that's uh, monogamish, open relationships, swinging, polyambery. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, throuples, triads, polyfidelity. Like there, uh, everything is under that ethical non-monogamous umbrella. Open relationship, you know, just means that you're not trying to have multiple boyfriends or partners or girlfriends, whatever it is. You have one person, and then you just have sex with other people. You're allowed to have sexual relationships with other people. You're not allowed to have other romantic relationships. Polyamory allows for both romantic and sexual relationships with multiple other people. Mm. So you, before you came to the current situation where I am bisexual and I'm in a poly relationship and here's where I belong, here's where I feel comfortable, here's like, it feels right for me. This, the journey to get here, uh, what were some like pivotal moments in which you're like, oh, that's definitely not for me. That's definitely for me. I'm asking this because I think listeners like my, for example, people that are in like their 20s, early 20s that are listening that are like, oh, I, I feel like that's kind of something I want to do. I want to give them some pointers of like, well, if you do feel this way in this situation, it's probably a good sign. Um, Yeah, m- my experience, read my book, Boys Slut, when it comes out. There's yes, a, that's 2023. Really <laughs> I know it's unfortunately in another, these things take forever to come out, but, um, <laughs> but that, that talks about a lot of the pivotal moments I had. I think right now, if you're thinking about it, is this right for me? I, I think the main question 
is to yourself is asking like, Hey, do I separate love and sex? Well, like, is that something where you recognize that you can love someone Mm-hmm. And then you having sex with other people doesn't take away from the love that you have for that person. Uh, if you can be like, yeah, no, I know I love that person. And me having sex with someone else doesn't impact that relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's a good answer to know that you, okay, potentially this is right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also, but that would be for like an open relationship style. If you're even thinking mm-hmm. about polyamory, it's, hey, can I love another person? And that mm-hmm. not take away my love, the love I have for the one person, mm-hmm. uh, for, for that other partner, right? So it's like, okay, I know that mul- loving multiple people doesn't take away from my relationship, doesn't mean I don't love them any less, doesn't mean I'm not going to be for them any less, whatever it is. And I think if you believe that in yourself, th- that's the biggest step. You're like, no, I know that. Okay, well, if you know that, then potentially you can do this, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think that would be the main question to ask yourself. Can you talk about compersion? Yeah. So compersion is often thought of as the opposite of jealousy. I actually don't like that definition, but I think it's very popular. So compersion is when your partner's with someone else and you're happy for them. That's all it is. It's taking joy in your partner's joy specifically for having a sexual or romantic relationship with anyone else. But, you know, you can be compersion in platonic friendships too you're happy that your friend's succeeding you love seeing them succeed um but compersion within you know polyamory is specifically oh you're you're happy that they're on a date with someone else because they're happy they're having sex instead of being jealous or worried or insecure um and is this like is it a personality trait like um for some people but like compersion can be learned it's a muscle that you can flex and over time being you know practicing gratitude being appreciative uh, having more experiences where you feel secure in your relationship. It, when you're secure in a relationship, that allows for conversion. If you think your partner might leave you for someone else uh, because you're, they don't tell you how much they love you, whatever the reason is, you're, you're not going to be able to have conversion. You can only have conversion once you have a secure relationship. So I think that's something to know and work on just because it's not coming naturally might just mean, okay, are there ways that we can deepen our relationship where I can feel more secure, which then allows me to actually be able to feel compersion for my partner. Mm. Okay. So it is somewhat, it's a, it's a skill. It's a skill. It's a skill and it gets easier with time. And it's a lot of, you know, it's like the cognitive behavioral therapy of kind of reframing mm-hmm. thought processes instead mm-hmm. of being like, oh, I'm I'm sad. I'm alone. My partner's going out having sex, being like, oh, I'm grateful I have this time to focus on myself, but I'm happy my partner is able to get something that I'm not able to give them. You know, whatever it is. So So I think a lot of it is uh, uh, reframing, which is just uh, so important. Yeah. The ability to reframe most situations, I think, is an important skill. Yeah. Uh, It's something that I've been working on more. It's something I did, I think, inadvertently for a while. And Mm -hmm. now, I was like, okay, well, hold on. Let's think about it like this. But now I actually like, think, okay, no, no, no. We're purposely, why am I looking at through this lens? Let's reframe mm-hmm. this. And I think that's actually been helping my mental health a lot of, mm-hmm. okay, this experience wasn't actually bad. Mm-hmm. But like my gut response might've been anger or sadness or frustration, but okay. But what I learned from this experience here was a takeaway from that. Well, like, you know, if you're able to do that, I think you'd be a lot more fulfilled and find more meaning in your life. Oh, well said. Uh, it's been a journey for me too. I've been, you know, 
actively reframing. And when I say actively reframing, I journal and I find it much easier to just reframe in, uh, to reframe on paper, <laughs> like write yeah. out, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how I can look at it in a different way rather than thinking it in my head, because I feel like I was already reframing psychologically for a long time, but I, then I forget. Right. But if I do like write it down, it's kind of like, okay, here's evidence that I have reframed about this. And then I read out loud, like the new perspective that I, uh, you know, came to a conclusion with then internalize like, okay, here's my new, like reframed thought. Um, Here's how I feel about this now. It's a lot, especially when you write things out, we often have these like cyclical patterns of thoughts in our head where we kind of mm-hmm. loop a little bit and it could be like, okay, this is what happened. This and you kind of repeat the same things. But when you write it out, it's like, okay, I just wrote that. Let, let me move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's much easier to kind of process your thoughts when you journal or write things down. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about, I think you often talk about kink and like the kinky lifestyle and, you know, the community. Can you first, you know, educate everyone, my Love Bites fam, uh, what's kink? And I know it's a, a good like umbrella term for a lot of things. I think a kink, honestly, is just anything that's not considered quote unquote standard or normal sex, which mm-hmm. is like, what, what is standard sex? What is right. normal sex? You well, know what I, I mean? mean? I teach a whole unit um, and it's a part of my textbook is uh, t- non-traditional sexual behaviors. Yeah. But like, but basically, so we have to first discuss what is traditional sexual behavior and what is mm-hmm. non-traditional sexual behavior and who decides what is non-traditional? Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is uh, that SNM is still in the DSM fifth edition. Uh, it's still a mental disorder. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, that's, uh, that's interesting because. No, 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 no. It's not. No, no, no. It's only, no, they changed the language though. It, Did it, they change it uh, recently? It changed it. So it's no longer just classified as a mental disorder. It's classified as a disorder if it's causing a problem in your life. If it's causing a problem. Okay. So it's, it's, it's no longer just like if you have healthy BDSM relationships and it's good. If you're, uh, your kink is non-consensual, okay, obviously that's bad. That's causing something that if you're unable to focus at work because you're uh, only thinking about crazy, whatever it is, or hurting yourself, it, like if it's causing a negative problem in your life, uh-huh. then it's considered a disorder. But if it's actually fine and enhancing your life or just a neutral thing in your life, uh, it's no longer classified as a disorder. I appreciate that they changed the language. Uh, yeah. because also, like when I started learning all about this, like in the PhD program, like the fact that, you know, being gay or lesbian uh, used to be a mental disorder is so scary. It's nuts. It, it, it's scary. It's yeah. And, you know, and it's textbook. Like people learn from that before, it, you know, there were during yeah, those times. And it's so weird. Just thinking about kinks, it's just like you know, people will say like anal sex. Straight couples say anal sex is kinky or whatever. And it's like if you're a gay <laughs> man. You're like that's not kinky. That's how we have sex. That's the traditional like, like, sexual like, behavior. Like, that's actually a traditional sexual yeah. behavior is us having anal sex because uh, you know most men don't fucking have vaginas here. Right. So like, uh, yeah, that that is how. Um, most gay men have sex, so it would not be considered kinky because it's literally traditional. And that's mm-hmm. how you do it among gay men, you know, like. So for you, what's kinky? 
specifically for me or like yeah. theoretically for you <laughs> i mean I, I like most things uh Ooh. even if it's not something that i enjoy i like seeing how turned on my partner gets by it mm. so like i for example i'm very indifferent towards like water sports mm. like mm. like uh it, it doesn't do anything for mm. me to pee on someone it also doesn't not do anything i don't find it disgusting mm. it's just like not an arousal thing but I've had this like sex slave for like five years, pretty much. You had a um, sex slave for five years? Or probably four, <laughs> almost five years. I've been in New York for five years. I met him two apartments ago. Uh, two apartments ago. I know, New Yorkers I moving around. <laughs> I know. That's how I measure my life here. So at least four years. And essentially, I like in exchange for me doing whatever the fuck I want with him, for him cleaning my apartment, for us having rough, kinky sex. I just like if as long as I just pee in his mouth afterwards, <laughs> he, he's the happiest man alive. Wow! And so like and so for me, I'm like this. This is great. I get to have the sex I want. My apartment gets clean. He's ecstatic. <laughs> uh, he, he's thrilled. Does it do anything for me sexually? No. But hey, uh, he enjoys it. I don't get a UTI. Everyone wins. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, it, it's not a bad thing here. And so like, I'm I'm very. Like, except for a few, you know, hard nose, hard boundaries at this point, most things I'm into. Um, What's something that a huge turn on? Uh, for me, oh, I love like daddy girl play, daddy boy play, where like I'm like the daddy and this and I'm calling them my baby. I find that shit hot or like, like Ooh. fake incest shit I find hot too. Yeah. Um, and like that type of role play I think is fun. Um, I love like spanking and choking. I think that's mm -hmm. super hot too. But, and I just use a shit ton of sex toys. I mean, mm -hmm. I repped so many sex toys brand. I have like, I've probably gotten <laughs> gifted. I'm not joking over a thousand sex toys in my life from brands that I do reviews <laughs> of. So it's like, I have them like overflowing from beds. Everyone's birthday gift, everyone's <laughs> Christmas gift is sex toys that I got. And I'm like, take them, take them. I'm overflowing. <laughs> But like for real though, isn't that difficult? Because uh, when they send you stuff, I feel like 50% is not good. Oh, just because they send it to me doesn't mean right. I have to write it up. Yeah. No, no, no. A, they send it to me. If I, it if is I, like I, not good. If, if I think it's good. I mean, usually I respond to me like, hey, I really didn't enjoy this product. Here's the feedback I would do to make it better. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be writing this up because it would be a negative review. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay. And they're thankful because otherwise if they would insist and I wrote it up, A, I never promised coverage, but B, then you get a bad review. Mm -hmm. um, but no, a lot of it's shit. But there are definitely some good brands that I uh, recommend. Like uh, Love Honey has just a ton of, I mean, obviously they're the sex toy retailer, but even their Love Honey Basics line and their Love Honey specific line is very cheap for very good quality. Like you can get a sex toy for 30 bucks and, and it lasts you for the next five years. Feels amazing, vibrates, high quality. Versus a lot of the other sex toys you get for 30 bucks, like, suck. Um, yeah, but some so are, like, so crazy now. There's, like, $200, $300. I'm like, wow, that's a it, it, pretty big investment a, for it, uh, normal people. It, it, it's a big investment for everyone, but the idea is... Okay, you buy one toy for $300, you fucking love it. It makes your sex so much better. And you have yeah. sex 10,000 times with it. You use it's uh, two it. cents a ton. It's <laughs> worth it. The idea, it's not worth it if you use it twice, throw it away, use it as a novelty thing. But if you actually yeah. start incorporating it, like, you know, buying a magic wand, which is, you know, every woman's kind of favorite, not every woman's, but a lot of women's <laughs> favorite thing, yeah. between that and one of the clit suckers, you're like, 
for like external stimulation like that, uh, women really like it. And wands are expensive, but like you masturbate with that every time. Like it's worth it that way. But if you think you're going to only use it once in a blue moon, then yeah, then you want something from Love Honey that's 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want like a quiet quality. vibrator. I want like a, like a Dyson. of. I want Dyson to make a vibrator. <laughs> Yeah, no, and there's so much more stuff coming out right now. And I think we're going to see an explosion. We've already seen an explosion, but we're going to see an explosion of sex tech toys in the next like five years. It's going to be insane. The internet is filled with sex toys. Like if you Google sex toys, there's like like, like 5,000 stores. Literally, if you Google best sex toys for men, I think probably the first three articles are ones that I've written. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have one in GQ, one in Men's Health, and then there's one that I'm like quoted in as an expert. I think it's like New Yorker or something or New York Mag or whatever it is. (laughs) It's literally, I think it's all shit that I recommend for what it's worth. So that's pretty good. Do you talk about uh, like butt plugs? I do. I I I do quite often. <laughs> if you type in best butt plugs, I bet you I come up. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm, let me do a new Google search. Look, and, uh, look it up right now. Best, best butt, butt plugs. plugs. Let's see who comes up. Outside of the ads, obviously. So it's like Adam and Eve, Cosmo. Oh, there I am. Does it, does it stimulate? Yes. Um. Wait, was this me? Wait, is this the GQ one me? Okay, now I'm interested in seeing which one, which was the shit that I wrote on this page. <laughs> Definitely wrote the men's health one. Did I write this GQ one? Uh, oh no, Gigi did. And Kate Sloan, two writers I work with. I love that. Mm. Um, yeah, no, butt plugs are amazing. Um, you know, you can get ones that vibrate, of course, ones that focus more on the prostate. Uh, so it's actually hitting that spot specifically, although most butt plugs do that independently anyway. Um, and you know, I have this toy from B-Vibe, which is a vibrating butt plug and it connects to the cock ring. And that's uh-huh. just like, you're, you almost get the vibrations from the butt plug going into the cock ring and you stay harder with the cock ring and it feels amazing. So that's a go-to that I use. Um, yeah. So there's ones that uh, don't vibrate and ones that vibrate. Do you think like the ones that vibrate is like a lot better? Yeah. Mm. vibrating sex toys uh, for internal stuff uh, is the difference between like uh, having a car, which is cool. You get to drive around and then realizing that your car actually had wings and you could have been flying this (laughs) whole time. Like, like, like like I, when the option for vibration is there, I always take it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Love the analogy. If your car can fly, <laughs> wouldn't you want to fly in your car? Why would you exactly. want to drive? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, I'd like to uh, move forward to the last segment of this show, which is called 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara. And we haven't had one in person, but <laughs> are you willing to do 10 okay. Quickies with Dr. Come Tara? Come visit New York. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of like the 73 question on Vogue where I give you a word and you give me a response back. It can be a word, a sentence, a couple of sentences. So just kind of free association? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do it. 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara. Okay. Number one, bisexuality. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, I think that's the first. Okay, keep going. That's it. That, that's what it is. I think it's awesome. Number Stand two. Number two, ethical porn. Important. Uh, I, I, do you want me to explain it a little bit or just yeah, are we yeah. bulldozing through? I don't know. 
Uh, it's uh, in this era of porn being free access for everyone, high quality videos, just making sure the performers are safe, getting paid is, is monumental. Otherwise these people could just get treated terribly. Uh, not always. I don't want to depict the porn industry. Like often it's just like everything is terrible. It's like, no, but there are a lot of terrible things about it. Mm-hmm. So ethical porn is just like the best way to support sex workers. I'm a fan. Yeah. It's more realistic too. It, yeah. It looks absolutely. like the sex I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, sex advice columns. Sex explain it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, please read my sex advice column at Men's House. Sex explain it. How to do it, which is rich. I always forget how to pronounce this last name. Like jo- Joviac. Mm-hmm. And then Stoya, they, they co-write it at Slate is probably my other favorite sex column. So it's not like... Is your sex column is not like all about it's men's health magazine. So it's it's sex advice for men. No, it's for we started it with like that, but I ended up getting so many questions from women, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's still women inter it's still men still learn from this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's still their relationships with men and what they do when talking to men. And you know, whether it's like a woman writes in because they think my husband has a porn addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, that still helps men who have porn addictions talking about it with their wives. So it, while the focus is more on men, it's mm-hmm. not exclusively for men. It's, you know, because men date everyone, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about relationships. I love it. You're like a bi man, Carrie Bradshaw. Oh, yeah. A bisexual, <laughs> oh, bi male, Carrie Bradshaw. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four, butt plugs. Uh, fabulous. Highly recommend. Life-changing. Life-changing. Much stronger orgasms, much stronger joy, all the good stuff. Love it. Number five, domination. What it came up? Uh, uh, I don't know. No, my brain turned to mush on that one. I don't know. Domination, uh, kinky, you know, it's uh, something worth exploring. If it's, uh, if it's something that interests you, just make sure you do your research on it to have your safe word, know what aftercare is. If you're doing things, you know, choking, know how to choke someone properly so they don't injure themselves. If you're doing spanking, know what parts of their body to spank. Like, Be a nerd about it so you can do it safely. Uh, I think that's my only uh, concern when a lot of people just delve in heads first without like doing their research. It can be dangerous just emotionally and physically. I love it. Hashtag nerdy lovers. Nerdy lovers. Oh my God. Like poly people, especially kinky people are some of the nerdiest fucking people I know. They, they love exploring, oh my God, this part of the brain does this and this cool thing. Mm-hmm. And how does it, what does it mean for my identity? And it's like, get nerdy. And it's hot. And it's hot. Number six, piss porn. Uh, indifferent. I think I said that beforehand. Uh, Again, not for me. But, it's crazy. Uh, I didn't know you were going to share that story. I wrote this list a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I shared the story already, but like, doesn't do it for me. But if it does it for you, whatever gets your rocks off, you know? Also, I think there's a stereotype that, um, or like a myth that it's like dirty. Uh, pee is actually not dirty. No, pee is sterile. It's yeah, clean. pee is sterile. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, seven, needle play. Uh, fascinating. Number eight. Uh, I've done some. I've done some needle play before. I, I did it at a tutorial. I went to a workshop to learn. This was a needle play bud play. So we did. We put needles in. Then we used a suction, like cupping, to kind of remove the blood, uh, and to like kind of do that. And I actually ended up with. So this is my blood and my boyfriend's blood that we put <gasps> in a little vial here. 
so wow. like the needle play was very associated with blood play. And for me, there was nothing sexual about it. It wasn't like I was aroused, but you got an adrenaline rush from someone putting a needle in you. And, and that's just insane and incredible. Like, I don't think it would be a sexual kink for me, I, but it, it was just a fascinating one that I thought was just interesting to explore. This is giving me Megan Fox's vibes. Yeah, I did it before she did. I just want to, <laughs> this was. She stole the idea from you, man. Yeah. Uh, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. And I don't know how truthful this is, but she did say they drink each other's blood. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> no. Who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> let them live their best life. Whatever. Uh. <laughs> um, wow. I feel like this next word, I should change it, but I already wrote it. <laughs> I feel like it's so vanilla now. Threesomes. Uh, also amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I love me threesomes. I love daisy chains where I'm in the middle, where a guy's fucking me while I'm fucking a woman and I'm in the middle of it. That, that is my... That is my self-care. That is my happy place. Uh, and I uh, work hard to make sure, that, and I get this quite often. So I I love it. Hashtag Daisy Chain. Hashtag Daisy Chain. <laughs> so a woman's receiving, you are fucking her, you're also getting fucked. Uh, yeah, I've also done it where like... A, is like it a, hard logistically? It, 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 I mean, yes, the first couple times. I, I'm a pro at this You're point. But, uh, at this point. No, but I mean, it, figuring out the momentum and the actual bat, like, you know, so you they don't slip out or you don't slip out and you have to kind of guide it a little bit. It takes a little bit of time to get used to, but you can. And I've also done it with like all genders where I'm getting, you know, pegged by a woman or a trans man and I'm fucking a dude or I'm fucking a whatever it is. It could be anyone at any side doing anything. But I I just like it when it's multiple genders, when it is you know, a man and a woman or non-binary person as opposed to just all three men. I, you know, I'm a greedy bisexual. I love it all. So I'm like, <laughs> I like having everyone. I like having love everyone there. love pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, when is your birthday? Uh, June 18th. Oh, it's coming up. Uh, uh, yeah. What, what, uh, what sign is that? Gemini. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I am. I, I, Adorable, I intellectual, chaotic. That's it. That describes me in a nutshell. Oh, look at that. Uh, I want to send you uh, daisies for your birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> a little inside joke. Well, now everyone uh, knows that are listening, but uh, for oh, Daisy I love, it. I love it. I love um, it. Next, number nine is sexual meditation. Oh, I'm actually not super familiar with it. Uh, if I'm being honest in terms of like my expertise, um, actual, I, I know a little bit about, um, what am I thinking of? Oh my God. I'm having a brain fart. I love sexual meditation. Uh, I do yeah. it every other day. I have, uh, but yeah, uh, what does it entail? Everyone that listening, I know like if you're listening, you probably already know this, but I have a uh, YouTube videos on like, it's their guided sexual meditation. For those of you that are beginners and you want to be guided, you can go to YouTube. There's like a five minute one, a 10 minute one. Um, and then just try, uh, really it's, it's very similar to a regular meditation practice, except for mm -hmm. the fact that you're focusing on your sex organ and sexuality and sensations in general. I love that. I yeah. need to familiar yourself. I'm going to try really that cool. today. That sounds awesome. Please do try it today. And then when you're with your partner next time, carve out like a five or 10 minute and do it together naked while yum yummy. Ooh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's really intimate. Uh, cool. Well, last but not least, number 10, 
kinky sex? Do it. Uh, explore it. Uh, have fun with life's too short for a vanilla sex here. You know, uh, if it's something that interests you, give it a shot. Yay, loves it. Um, where can everyone find you? Um, uh, best uh, website, ZacharyZane.com. Twitter, Instagram is Zachary Zane. And there's an underscore at the end, so Zachary Zane underscore. Also, subscribe uh, to my digital zine. Uh, if you type in voice slots, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Uh, there are some really fun. And if you're, if you're into erotica, it, it is awesome. And I think just the fact that it is, these are real stories that happened, uh, just make it that much cooler. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, I'll have all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Of course. Thank you. This was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, as a teaser, like preview for all my Love Bites family here, Zach and I are working on something that will be, uh, one of the most amazing things ever. And I just can't wait to share with you all my Love Bites family. So stay tuned. Uh, it will be amazing. I dot, dot, cannot wait. Dot, I know. Dot, dot, I, I, I want to spill the beans. We can't just yet, <laughs> but uh, soon right. we'll be able to. I know. I'm so excited. Well, thank you again for spending time with of me course. here and talking about all sex stuff. It has been so amazing and educational. Uh, and thank you so much, my Love Bites fam, for staying until the end of the episode. DM me if you have feedback or questions. And per usual, have an orgasmic day. Have you ever wanted an STD test but didn't have time to go to a clinic? Now there is a solution. Let's get checked has an at-home STD test with fast results. It's simple. You order your test, collect your sample, and receive your accurate results online. They also provide medication at no extra cost for most states. There are also other health and wellness tests for men and women as well. Check out Let's Get Checked. The link is in my episode description, and the discount code is Dr. Tara and have a worry-free, orgasmic time. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love, Bites. Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.